2: Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey,
2: everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben Bolin man, We got a pretty good topic today. We've got this is something that a couple of listeners have written in over the years, really. Yes. Um, and mentioned that you know they'd like to hear a to- you know something about this topic. Uh, we're talking about the Nurburgring. Mm-hmm. And um, most recently, I guess, it would be Regina Oliver, who is a, a Facebook fan. Yes. Uh, she'd mentioned that she'd like to hear something about this, but um, we've also had some other listeners like uh, Matt LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. Um, not. That Matt LeBlanc, I don't think. but <laughs> right, uh, as he said Not before. the actor, but, uh, yeah, we've there's a little anecdote I want to add in here somewhere about uh, Matt's experience on the uh, Nürburgring.
4: Oh, we should open with it. You, you want, want
2: to? to? Yeah. All right, sure. All right, so this is a listener that we had for, you know, well, hopefully still around. I think he's out there. Yeah. Um, he said that, uh, you know, in passing, he mentioned, I'm going to be headed over to Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was for a work program, really. And, yes. And, um, you know, he he'd actually he had participated in the 24 hours of lemons and so there was this long back and forth between us and uh um he said he's going to be going to germany might give the rental car a shot on the Mm nurburgring which is forbidden and he (laughs) knew it though i think he knew that that was going to happen but um what happened was and he actually sent us a photo of this um he took his rental car on the nurburgring you know for one of the uh the Tourist days, I guess, you know, when you could – or one of the days when you're allowed to, uh, you know, drive all out. Which we'll get into. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll get into this. But uh, taking a rental car there, you know, because of insurance purposes, that's a no-no. Yeah. And uh, they have devices that record, you know, they record everything that happens, every vehicle that enters the track and leaves the track. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the rental car company tracked him down, sent him a note and said, you're forbidden from renting from this company ever again. And he's got a, you know, a a nice photo of, Mm -hmm. of that note. He sent along to us. So Matt, I, you know, once again, I think we've mentioned that before, but we appreciate you sending that. That was good.
4: Yeah, that uh, that made our day, and that's a excellent problem uh, t- as far as illustrating the Nürburgring, which is one of the most unique compounds, courses, tracks. I
2: guess. I, I mean, they call it a motorsports complex, and right. that's the reason is because there's more than one track. Yes. Um there's the Grand Prix circuit which mm-hmm. you know this all used to be one thing at one point. We'll talk about that too, but you right. know there there's a newer newer Formula 1 track. Mm-hmm. And then there's this uh this this giant ring. That's why they call it the ring, of course. Right, the north um, loop and the south loop. Exactly. And the, the, it's called the uh the, the, what we they race on now. I'll give this a shot then. I'll give it the first shot. Go
4: for it. Nordschleife. Nordschleife. Uh the which is just the north loop. I Means the north loop, yeah.
2: So th- this north loop is what we
4: tend to think of when we think about the uh the the nurberg ring really mm-hmm. so if you go today and uh you are driving on this course you're going to be going over the 22.81 ish kilometers mm-hmm. of the north loop it is huge yeah, the, it's like that's this, like 14 over 14 miles exactly this ring is is so big, this track is so, so wide that there are villages within the perimeter. There are people inside the, yep. <laughs> the perimeter of this. Well, thing. there's a castle in there. Yes, there's a castle.
2: Yeah, a whole village, I mean, we're talking about retail shops, restaurants, everything, mm-hmm. hotels. This is a monster track. It's it's enormous. Um, it led, uh, you know, it's a beautiful track. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll find out later that Jackie Stewart, he called it the, the Green Hell. Yes. And uh, that's a name that's stuck, you know, for, for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And I, I really... I love the history of this track. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I think, you know, quick quick yeah. before we go, we may have already, like, kind of blown some people's minds that you can drive on the Nürburgring.
4: Oh, yeah, spoiler the, alert, you yeah, guys. Yeah,
2: that it's it's actually, it's a toll road at this point.
4: Yeah, it's uh, legally, in Germany, this is a one-way public toll road, and for the reasonable price, I think, for one lap, it's around, what, 26 euro? Exactly right, and I looked that up this morning to find out how much that yeah. uh,
2: that is exactly in U.S. dollars. About 34 bucks,
4: And the price goes down if you buy more
2: laps in a package. Yeah, you can buy multiple laps. So it's kind of like buying a, a pass to go on this toll road as many times as you want. You mm-hmm. can do, uh, you know, three laps. Uh, it goes on up until, I don't know if there's an unlimited lap pass or not. Uh, I, I'm just not sure. But you can even buy something called a ring card. Mm-hmm. And then you can use your ring card as credit, you know, towards driving on the road. You can use it at the shops, at the restaurants within the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an interesting interesting setup they've got there.
4: And what we're going to do over the course of this podcast is tell you a little bit about the history of this the history of this complex, the location of the Nürburg and the, or excuse me, the Nürburgring mm-hmm. because the Nürburg is the castle. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, we're going to tell you about some of the great moments. We're going to Tell you, uh, ultimately, why we think you should go and why we think we should go, too.
2: Definitely. And, you know, this thing, the Nürburgring makes it into the news quite a lot recently. Mm -hmm. And that's because uh, manufacturers take their vehicles to the ring to do testing, and they have kind of a, a timed shootout. Yeah. And I definitely want to get to that. We'll, we'll talk about we'll, we'll that later. We'll get to that, yeah. Okay, so let's start, at, let's start, I guess, at the
4: beginning, right? Okay, 1920s, 1925, they lay the foundation stone mm-hmm. for the track. Now, what's interesting about this, you're going to hear some different explanations, but one thing that comes up often is that this, uh, this track began as a means of alleviating some unemployment there. Now, it was about... Uh, I think an investment of fourteen more than fourteen million Reichsmarks at the time. So again, that's nineteen twenty five. Nineteen twenty five, that's a that's uh, a hefty bill. Yes. And uh it worked. They they had thousands of people employed and they originally built the North Loop and the South Loop uh, for a combined uh twenty eight point two six ish kilometers which is
2: 17 and a half miles mm-hmm. and uh, you know i mentioned that the uh the, the north loop is 14 miles so mm-hmm. you know these are broken up into segments the southern loop is only about 4.8 miles and uh then there's another one there's a warm-up loop also which is about 1.4 miles so mm-hmm.
4: you know there's all these different segments that you can drive yes and as we said earlier for a fee Anyone can drive on this. Exactly, yeah. So let's get back to the uh, the, 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 the track the, the track itself because,
2: you know, it wasn't completed until 1927. So it's like a two-year construction project. That's pretty. That's a long yeah. time considering the amount of people and the amount of mm-hmm. money that was thrown at this project.
4: And uh, it's not by any means a straightaway or a simple loop. Oh, no, no. Did you read how many turns there are in this thing? Oh, man, people don't even agree on it. There's more than 100 well, you know, it's, all, all around. It's, it's like 170-something. Uh, originally, mm-hmm. and
2: then it was Paired down from that amount in the 19, late nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies, and we'll get to that real quick here because um, you know prior to nineteen seventy one, again one hundred and seventy four turns, or they call them bends. Yes, but um, some of those you know the varying degrees of difficulty, high speed turns, slow speed turns. There's some hair. There's a hairpin. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot going on in this track. It's a it's enormous, but there's a it's a very challenging challenging track, and of course it was used for um, you know comp- early days of competition. It wasn't really used for.
4: Grand grand prix competition until about 1939 right the first race is in june of 1927 the first actual race they have and that's that's like right after they built it the same year the track was completed but as you're saying they didn't really get to the the grand prix and there were several Mm -hmm. uh until later on yeah exactly and you know it wasn't
2: until you know let's say let's fast forward a bit things are going fine it's 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 a track that's exceedingly fast, and you know, you know, we've talked about Formula One and just how ridiculously fast these things got in the 1960s, 1970s. Yeah. Um, you know, these are drivers like um, Juan, you know, Juan Fangio and Sterling Moss and Jim mm-hmm. Clark and Jackie Stewart, Caracola. Uh, exactly, those guys are driving. I mean, cars right to the very limit, and their their cars are dangerous because you know it was the 1960s and the, the safety standards weren't quite what they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned this at length in the can podcast that we did yeah um but formula one was similar in that you know it was getting dangerous because they were so so fast um this is where jackie stewart called it the green hell because it was a beautiful track mm-hmm. to drive but exceedingly dangerous because of the turns you know you're coming off of long stretches i mean you're talking about like two and a half mile stretch that's a, a straight flat out um you know top speed run mm-hmm. followed by you know a hard turn
4: at the end yes and Memory is key. When they talk about learning this course, it's uh, it's not an exaggeration. You have to know exactly when and how to run this thing. And and we're going to talk a little bit about how there's a little bit of danger there. It's fairly safe to say the Nuremberg Ring yeah. wouldn't be built today.
2: No, no, definitely not. And, you know, Ben, they, a lot of people compare this to, um, you know, there's all kinds of conditions. We mentioned the high-speed turns, low-speed yep. turns. Yep. It, Driving a mountain road is another one that they
4: said. Oh and the uh, famous Eiffel region weather. Exactly,
2: right? yeah, yeah. It's always a little bit uh, a little bit cooler and a little misty and you know kind of dangerous at that mm-hmm. you know in that way. But um, there were a lot of places, especially prior to nineteen seventy one when they made these changes, um, and I, I want to talk about that in a second, but um, a lot of places where a car would leave the track. And I yes. leave the track in flight. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, uh, you know, a lot of dips, like the road would suddenly drop off that, you know, wasn't a problem really up until, let's say, the nineteen late 1960s when the cars are getting up to speeds that are just remarkable.
1: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash
3: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack
0: Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks, so you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading: up, down, or steady. It could also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com.
2: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of
4: compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, suddenly, you know, cars are jumping. And, uh, you know, the, the photo that I have on my desk right now. Yeah. On my de- on my desk uh, on on cubicle wall. wall. Yeah, exactly. There's a photo of a BMW uh, mid-flight. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that was taken here at the, at the Nürburgring. Um, anyways, they they decided that Um, All these drivers got together and they were led by Jackie Stewart, you know, for Formula One. And he said that, you know, things are just getting too dangerous here. We've had too many accidents. Mm -hmm. A lot of things are going wrong here. Um, This track has to be fixed. Otherwise, we're not coming back. We're going to boycott
4: this race. And a couple side notes on Jackie Stewart, or excuse me, Sir Jackie Stewart. Oh, yes, that's right. at the time when he named this track the Green Hell, uh, F1 drivers had a 66% chance of dying in a crash if they raced for five years. Isn't that incredible? I mean, a 66% chance. Yeah. It's approximate. A, two-thirds chance.
2: A two-thirds chance in five of uh, five years of competition. Yeah, over five years uh, they had the. Yeah, I can't even imagine a number like that. But you see, you see the uh, the, the stress that they're going through, and they're sure. saying like, "You've got to fix this. You've got to make this safer for us. Otherwise, we're not coming back." And that's exactly what they did. They boycotted yeah. the race. Well, what they did was this this massive reconstruction effort, where they smoothed out some of the bumps, they uh, they they took some of the corners and made them a little less harsh than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it, actually, I think the track was actually shortened at that point, just just slightly. I mean, I, I've got the number here. It was uh, shortened by like. Uh, maybe two and a half miles or something like right, that. So that's yeah. a significant chunk that came out of that. But, um, you know, really just making it safer. They, they added safety barriers that weren't there before. Um, you know, of course, fewer corners, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. Um, and, again, you know, they, they said, okay, the drivers decided that that was okay, and they came back to race uh, for the next couple of years.
4: Yes, and uh, lest we do a disservice to Sir Stewart, uh let me give you, uh, let me give everybody a quotation here uh, from Stewart himself about the Nuremberg ring. Uh, he said that, now his his last uh, victory came at the Nuremberg ring. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, here's a quotation we found from him that blew my mind. Nothing gave, <clears throat> excuse me, let me get my reading voice on. Nothing gave me more satisfaction than to win at the Nürburgring, and yet I was always afraid. When I left home for the German Grand Prix, I always used to pause at the end of the driveway and take a long look back. I was never sure I'd come home again. So just to show you how serious this was, you know. Hmm. But, of course, the story doesn't stop there. You want to fast forward? Yeah, I do. You know what? One quick thing. Yeah. You know he's Scottish, right? Yeah, but I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I, I would... I think I he's could, Scottish. Is he Scottish? He is, is Scottish, you yeah.
2: know, Hearing him call a race is fantastic. I just love hearing his voice. I, I think... I, I believe he's Scottish. I don't know if I'm... He's definitely Scottish. Okay outstanding race announcer. I just mm-hmm. love to hear him call a race. He gets so excited, so animated and so uh just just he's pumped for the for the moment, you know? It's mm-hmm. like it's it's just a fantastic race when you hear it called by Jackie Stewart. It's just I love his voice. Yeah, he's a legend. Okay, now I've got that out. Okay. Right. All right, so in 1976 there's um you know, there's the the reigning world champion in Formula 1 is uh Nicky Lauda. Mm-hmm. And um he actually I think he had um the uh, the record on the Nordischliff. Uh, it was like under seven minutes even at that point. we're talking like yes. the late 1970s. So there was an accident uh, that happened and this kind of underlined the point that the drivers are trying to make um, that you know, he's in a car that's on fire at this point. Mm-hmm. far far away from any kind of um, you know emergency personnel they're trying to get to him but you know it's such a great distance you can't cover a 14 mile track, 14 plus mile track effectively you know, it's so tightly that you know, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get to every single spot within seconds. Especially not at that time. No, exactly. And so you know, he he actually was saved by fellow drivers that pulled him out of the burning mm-hmm. wreck. Um, otherwise, he would have uh, he would not have made it out of this wreck. Yeah, it almost killed him. Um, so, you know, this is this is a turning point when they said, you know, in, in 1976, in fact, was the last F1 race at the uh, at what we call the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the traditional ring. There's still other competition that happened, but um, you know, they they eventually decided that you know we can't run this thing here anymore. Uh, it's just getting too dangerous. Cars are too fast. We can't cover it with enough. Safety personnel, mm-hmm. it's time to do something different, and that's when they built. Uh, you know, later in uh, nineteen, what was it, nineteen eighty-three? Um, they built um, well, nineteen eighty-four. I should say uh-huh. is when they built their uh, their current F one circuit, which is not. Re- I mean, it's a ring, of course, mm-hmm. but it's a much much smaller ring.
4: Yes, it's it's a much smaller ring. However, the Green Hell remains today, and it's still considered uh, one of the toughest and most dangerous. Uh, what's the qualification purposeful racetrack in the yeah, world? Purpose built racetrack, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so let's let's talk for a second about that because we also want to make sure that anybody who does take our advice in this episode and does decide to visit the ring uh does so with a little bit of caution. Uh, th- there have been. Um, Fatalities and serious injuries on this ring before, but you know, that happens. There's, I I challenge you to find a major track of this caliber that has not had some sort of mishap, even a major roadway, even a major roadway. It's the nature of the beast, it just happens, yeah, yeah, but uh. Now, these go all the way back, then. They go back to 1928.
2: The first one mm-hmm. was early in, 19, actually, mid-1928, so it happened not long after it opened. Yes. Um, and I would guess that speeds weren't exactly what they are now, but um, still dangerous. I mean, you're driving through basically what amounts to a forest.
4: Yeah, you're driving through a forest, and people are passing you or you're passing someone. Yeah. I mean,
2: they were all out, no, ma- no matter what. I mean, it's a race car, 1928. They were mm. still going fast, don't get me wrong. I mean, speeds were, were high at that point. It's just they weren't, uh, you know, the, the 220 miles an hour that they are now. Right. Um, and the latest one that's reported, Ben, mm. reported, that's the key
4: word. Right. Um, 2010, April of 2010. Now, let's get a look. Now, was that a fatality or an injury? A uh, fatality. Now, let's get a little bit conspiratorial here because the ring rumors, as they're called, uh... Have sometimes put a put a little bit of a of a haze or sketchiness over the fatality question hmm. because there is there have been some there's been some talk Scott you don't say yeah I do say there's been some or other people say that uh, sometimes if someone receives a mortal injury on the racetrack that it's counted as an injury even if they, they die en route to I see. medical treatment. Now, of course, these, these sorts of accidents uh, can be unavoidable. Uh, we're just letting you know that you will hear some ring enthusiasts claim that the fatality numbers are a little bit sketchy. But, of course, there is uh, a, a tremendous amount of investment in safety technology and in training as as with any other public roadway, let us remember: there's a public roadway. Um, other people's mistakes can be just as easily dangerous to your life as as can your own.
2: You know what this reminds me of just a little bit. What's that? No one dies at Disney World. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you've heard this, right? I mean, yeah. Break a, it down, though. I mean, well, it's it's the uh, the I don't know where I heard this. It could mm-hmm. be just a, an urban legend or a little rumor, but um, they will continue life resuscitating efforts until you're off disney world property so that you were just injured exactly and i think maybe there's a little bit of that kind of thought process going on here and that you know they'll continue life resuscitating efforts on track property take you off track mm-hmm. and then oh man i didn't make it past uh, the town of uh, you know whatever's next door
4: yeah so this uh so this is something that that we can consider this can happen. Now, one thing to keep in mind is there are a lot of motorcyclists on the ring. And as we know, motorcyclists can be uh, much more vulnerable. So when you're on there, just stay alert, man. I, I, I hear one thing that people often say, especially people who drive on this regu- regularly. There we go. Got it. That's tough for me, man. Mm-hmm. It's like my version of you're rural.
2: And you did that fine.
4: Well, yeah, because it's not regularly. <laughs> anyway, but one thing that a lot of the pros say is uh, that drivers should avoid timing themselves. Yeah. And that that is because when you're racing against the clock on a closed race course and you're the only vehicle you have to worry about – then that's an entirely different ball game from what's going on here
2: yeah but when you have to watch out for that minivan up ahead or the uh the Honda Civic that's behind you trying to you know make you go a little faster or whatever mm-hmm. uh or a motorcycle you know you don't see as you as you turn in you know you, you bank into a turn, um, and that happens. You know, there's this is the weird thing about this. If you look at, uh, you know, you can find videos of this anywhere you want, because a lot of people love to tape themselves, you know, driving on the ring, of course. Right, yeah. And uh, you'll see all types of vehicles out there. I mean, I even heard one mention of, like, tour buses that would take, you know, a trip across <laughs> this. Um, I've seen minivans wreck. You know, you can find a ton oh, of, wow. of crash footage online of uh you know just everyday vehicles really pushing themselves a little bit too far whether it's machine or driver that's been pushed too far i don't know a lot but of those turns are blind exactly and you know the funny thing is like and that, it's not funny but when there's an accident that happens they call the local police it's not like track safety comes out and, and gets you it's the, it's right. the local police to come out and i'll tell you this you know just a heads up for anybody who's wanting to do this they will uh, – the police are trained to look for timing devices in the vehicle, whether that's just a stopwatch, whether that's an actual, you know, a um, a telemetry device, whatever it happens to be. They're watching for that type of thing, and it will be noted on the ticket that you receive, uh, you know, for for this accident because you are going to receive a ticket because there's going to be damage to the course in some way. You, you mm-hmm. can, You're responsible for any damage you cause to those walls. You're damaged. You're responsible for, um, you know, maintaining control of your vehicle, of course. First of all, um, and they do. They are trained to look for timing devices, cameras, that type of thing, and it's all noted on the ticket.
4: So we're we're just saying that when when you do this, if it's your first visit, maybe don't take your Maserati. Yeah. Well, you know what, Ben? <laughs> they say
2: that you know, like. You may, you can expect, if you're a good driver, you may expect like a 10 minute time on it, on this thing. Yeah. yeah. Or even more. And this is, you know, there's, there's, there are places on this track, Ben, where there's still speed limits.
4: Yes, which, which which a lot of people don't know. Now, I was reading about that too. Uh, Some people say they're not enforced. Well, you know, I, I would not go against that at all. I would say
2: that, you know, if it's if it's posted, follow it because right, who knows how they're being recorded or if you'll have a ticket it's posted sent to you. for a reason? Exactly. I mean, I mean, we mentioned that rental car company that's got cameras that monitor and then send you a a notice that you're banned for life from their company. Right. So you can understand that you know it's not that hard for them to just record your your information, mm-hmm. get a quick photo of you behind the wheel, and send you a, send you a ticket. I don't know if that happens or not. But, um, you know, it's unusual that, you know, this is, a, this is an open road for most of the time. They will close it down for, um, you know, testing if there's, like, manufacturers that, that, that rent the track for a certain right. amount of time.
4: And that's where we see, like, the supercars come in. And that's, in that, that's something a lot of car companies have a testing center on the premises. Yeah,
2: yeah. We've, we've talked and we've blogged about this and we've mm-hmm. got all kinds of, you know, all kinds of information out there about, um, you know, this car is, is, you know, kind of involved in a time shootout with this car. Yeah. And uh, they love to try to best each other. And what they do is they, they take a telemetry device. They've got, um, you know, so there's video of the driver. There's video of the course. There's video of where they are on the course, the speed, the braking. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they record the types of tires used, whether it's a stock vehicle or if it's, uh, you know, got some type of upgrades. Um, you know, a lot of it's stock vehicle at this point, you know, sure. street tires. Because this is huge for marketing. Exactly. Because if they can claim they have the fastest time at the ring, which is what they call it, the mm-hmm. ring, the um, that is, you know, that translated into sales for them.
4: Yeah, and that's also, uh, the difficulty is pretty well known. One thing that is interesting about this that some folks might not know is that the track has to be continually repaved. Ah, yes, yeah, there's resurfacing that happens all the time. And
2: at one point, Ben, this thing was concrete. Yeah, and, right? And so that had to have been a difficult and, and loud and just a, <laughs> a hard surface to drive on. And then I think there was a point where it was a mix, and mm-hmm. you know, there were parts that were concrete, parts that were paved mm-hmm. uh, with asphalt.
4: But uh, now it's all asphalt, right? Uh, now it's all asphalt. However, the asphalt is not of uniform quality ah. because there's a repavement schedule. So this means that you can be driving on one part that's just some fresh laid asphalt, and then Uh, you can run into some parts that are not nearly as new. All of which makes this even more difficult, because if you don't
2: know the surface exactly, Mm -hmm. that's trouble.
4: But even more fun, I don't know if you ran into this, but one thing they recommend for uh, first-timers on the ring is to spend some time, if you're a video game person, spend some time with some racing simulators. You know, oddly enough, that's a good way to do this, because you, you, believe it or not, you will
2: familiarize yourself with the track... Via that game because it's accurate. That's one thing with you know these modern video games. I, mm-hmm. I sound like an old guy when I say you know, I modern <laughs> video games, but honestly, it's it's a great representation A lot of these are great representations of the actual course, and and you can get a good feel for you know what's coming next. And if you get that you know burned into your memory, mm-hmm. then you know what's happening.
4: Yes. Now, uh, also there is a lot of tagging on the ring uh, because uh, various. Various racing enthusiasts have put messages there. These messages might be as simple as something like, Scott was here, or they may be some sort of memorial for uh, an accident. You know, Ben, I saw this when I was, and I didn't know that, you know, they
2: actually call it tagging on this thing. I didn't yeah. know what was going on because I was watching a video of a uh, motorcycle as a motorcycle was taking the entire course, you know. And mm. uh, I got to the one section, and I thought, what is that? He's driving over, and it looked like, uh, almost like somebody had used, like, sidewalk chalk on the, on the ground, but mm. I guess it's paint. So people are painting the track with, uh, with messages. And, uh. That's terribly distracting.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, I think it's distracting too. We're on the same page there. Uh, we should talk. We, we can't end this show without talking about the future of the ring. Yeah, Did I think that's a good about idea.
2: This? You know what, I, I do, before we, yeah, yeah. One, one more thing. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about the future, but let's leave that for the very last, because, you know, we just talked about some of the supercars and the fast times. Oh, we need to do the uh, laps. I think, I think if we just mention this quickly, because there's a couple of different ways that they break this down, like any other race course. Sure, there are yeah. categories. Exactly, so they do, like, production, street-legal vehicles. They do uh, non-series, which are, you know, like, non-road-legal vehicles. Mm-hmm. And then they have competition vehicles, which... That ended back in 1983, you know, because the 1984 course was then, uh, was, was then built, where they yeah. built the course.
4: So, um. And let's keep in mind that the benchmark here is maybe 10 minutes, right?
2: Oh, that's, you know, that's a, that, that's that's a, a that's good
4: a, person knowing the course. That's a decent
2: average citizen driving the course in probably a pretty quick car. Okay. Okay, so that's not, not an experience that's driver. That's not tour bus time. Exactly. And that's with other traffic on the course sure. and all the speed limits and everything. Um. If you want to go for a production car, I mean, I, I'll just quickly go through this. But six minutes and forty eight seconds in two thousand nine was the fastest time, and it was set by a car called the Radical SR8LM, and it's kind of a, a specialty built vehicle, but yeah. um, it is a street legal vehicle. Uh, they call it production, but I think it's kind of one you assemble yourself. You know, one of those deals, or mm. they they assemble it for you. Okay. Um, I read a little bit about that, and it was it's it's a relatively small engine. It's a two point eight liter V eight. Huh. I think it had 455 horsepower, and it's based on two Hayabusa engines that are kind of
4: melded together into one V8. Wow, okay. So, and it's probably uh, probably a lot of that speed is the driver, too. The yeah, yeah, course. for
2: sure. Oh, it's a, it looks like a purpose-built sports car. Okay. It's an open cockpit type of vehicle. It, it definitely – it looks like a race car. They're calling it a production car. So it's
4: technically a
2: production yeah, car. Yeah, and the next is the Gumpert Apollo with a seven, minute, uh, mm-hmm. 7 minutes and 11 seconds in 2009, and then a Viper ACR. Um, with 7 minutes and 12 seconds. So that happened in 2011. Uh, Moving on to the non-road legal vehicles. Here we go. uh, The Pagani Zonda R, which has 700 horsepower, Ben. (laughs) Um, Again, this is not a street legal version of this. Um, 6 minutes and 47 seconds. So it bested the uh, the Radical by one second. And that was in 2010. And the Ferrari 599 XX, uh, again, 740 horsepower, so another monster car. Mm-hmm. Uh, six minutes and 58 seconds, so still under seven minutes fast. And in competition cars, this is where the all-time fastest... You know what? I'm going to go with motorcycle first, and then I'll do competition. Okay. Motorcycles... Uh, I'll be honest, not as fast as I thought. Cars make it around a little quicker. I was su- surprised as well. I'm just got. I just wrote down one. It's a Honda RC30, and this happened in 1993. Ben, mm-hmm. it, it lapped it in seven minutes and 49 seconds. I, is that still the reigning time? I, you know, I think that was. I'm pretty I, sure. I, I don't know why, but I mean, it just seems like the, the cars would be a little bit slower through this, but they're not. Um, they seem to be faster. In fact, the fastest ever was a competition Porsche 956, and this goes all the way back to. 1983, still the all-time fastest. Yeah. Six minutes and 25 seconds, which is, that's lightning fast. We're talking about, was it 14 miles?
4: Yeah, that's grease lightning. 14 and
2: a half miles. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, when you start looking at the times of these things, mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of depends on the year that it was raced there because the track was shortened in, ni- in 1971. So pre-1971, you got a longer course. Yep. After 1971, you got a shorter course. So I tried to keep all of these are equal. Same, that's an excellent point. The same distance. And then there's even the the south loop, which is shorter. And you know, th- there's all different ways to break this down.
4: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's a, that's the fastest time. So 625 reigns supreme. Unless you are the lucky person to beat it, right? Uh, and if you want to beat it, then you will be interested in one of the last pieces of news we have about the, the ring, which is that uh, some people are trying to save it there's a little bit of controversy now because uh starting in 2007 uh people began to build it into sort of a theme park mm, okay so it had the whole nine man a shopping mall a roller coaster and sounds uh, expensive yeah about to the tune of 350 million u.s Ooh. oh boy and so, well, it's not as bad as it would be if it was 350 million euros, I guess. Not true. But still, it's a lot of money. It's not chump change. And um, so there, there's a group called SaveTheRing.org, which has uh, has taken up this cause because the, there's something egalitarian about the ring, the idea that you can just go and pay and drive. That's so cool. That's Kind of like being able to drive on the Indy 500. It's similar. It's same, similar. Yeah,
2: it's uh, yeah, same idea.
4: And and just in case anybody is wondering, we did check. You cannot show up at the Indy 500 <laughs> and drive for thirty bucks. No, I don't think that's uh, that's not possible. You kind of have to know someone exactly. And uh, the this has become such an iconic thing in German culture, in racing culture across the world uh, that there are some folks. Who are concerned that the ring may be in financial trouble? Um, it's pushing bankruptcy, right? And, and I think yeah. it's—I
2: think it's been rescued, though, recently, right?
4: Uh, I mean, it's—I what...
2: uh, I think that you know it's been guaranteed some money from the German government, mm-hmm. um, and enough just to keep it keep it afloat. But you mentioned this group, you know, the uh, um, the Save the Ring group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they're, they're really having a hard time raising some money to, to kind of make up the difference at this point.
4: Yeah. In, uh, in July, the uh, state-owned company that runs the circuit, uh, they were declared bankrupt. Okay. So, so there's, uh, there's a little bit of a touch and go here. Uh, I think, I got to tell you, Scott, I'm optimistic because I believe that the ring is important enough uh, not just to racing to history, mm-hmm. but mainly to racing. That uh, the fans and the supporters and the drivers are not going to let it go uh, to butcher Dylan Thomas. They're not going to let it go gently into that good night. I so, sure hope so. Yeah, but um, we nice wa- reference by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, you got to get them in, right? Uh, so. I guess that's that's what I've got about the Ring, other than I really want to go, and I think everybody else should, too. That was my next question. Would you drive it? Absolutely. Are you kidding? I totally would, too. This I, would be a blast. Would I, would I wreck it?
2: Maybe. Would, would I, I want to take my own car on it? I don't think so.
4: Oh, yeah, which goes back to the to Matt's strategy, yeah. right?
2: I You know what? I've <laughs> got to think that there must be someone who rents cars there that knows that you're going to take them there and says, you know, it's okay. You know, we've got the added insurance. You're going to pay a premium for it, right. I guess. But I would think that somebody would do this.
4: You can go and learn more about the car rentals or car hiring, as they would call it, on the official website. Okay. Sounds and, good. and so uh, we would like to hear from you about uh, what you would drive on the Ring. And if you've driven there before, you know, we, we definitely want to hear that.
1: If you use paper, you're a human.
0: Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time in range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com.
2: Dexcom data on file 2023. If you're gluc- Glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
4: Uh, I didn't bring any listener mail today, did you? No, nope, don't nope. have anything, but, you know, we did have, uh, you know, oh, we this, did. Was, this was yeah. a
2: suggestion from right. uh, Regina Oliver. And, uh, of course, Matt LeBlanc, he's, he's always interested in it. You we know, can't go there anymore in a rental car, but... I'm sure he's still interested in it, but I know there are other listeners that wanted us to talk about this. So,
4: At the risk of uh, offending the car rental company, worth it, right? Yeah, yeah sound, right?
2: sounds like a blast.
4: So we're going to head out. Uh, we will see you guys soon or hear from you soon, hopefully. Uh, drop us a line on Facebook. Give us a holler on Twitter. Make it short, right, if it's on Twitter. And uh, write to us directly, if you'd like, at carstuff@discovery.com. At <laughs>
0: Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.
4: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.